Give someone a high five, say, take ground, take ground. Now, we're not talking about going to your neighbor's yard and with a shovel trying to take ground from their yard, saying, my pastor said I could take ground. We're talking about taking ground in your marriage, in your family, in your health, in your finances, gaining victory, advancing, making progress this year in the areas that God's called you to take ground in. And we've been talking through the story of Joshua. And as we're standing today, we're just going to get right into the scripture. We're going to do offering later on in the service, but we're going to go into the message. Joshua chapter three, verse one. Yeah! We're hungry for the word of God. We love it when we open up the Bible because we know that word can change our life. And we talked about Joshua chapter one last week. And this week, we're going to talk from Joshua chapter three, the implications of crossing over and taking ground. How do we do it? Why, why should we do it? And what's, what's really the, um, the step towards taking ground? I want to give you a practical step today on how to take ground. And Joshua says in, in Joshua chapter three, verse one, early in the morning, come on somebody, any early risers in the house today? You 11 a.m. crowd, you got to sleep in a little bit, but early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites, they set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan. Praise God they got out of that town, right? We don't know what they called that town for short, but praise God they got out of there. Some of us need to get out of there. They went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over, verse two, and after three days, the officers went throughout the camp. And they begin to prepare the people. And they said, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying that Ark, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. I want to stop right there, church. The presence of God is what leads us and directs us. Joshua said, follow his presence. That Ark represented the Word of God, the commandments of God given from Moses to the people. It represented the presence that God is with us. It, it was a Shekinah glory. It was like the real manifest presence of God. And Joshua said, when that moves, you move with it. You follow it. And that's what we're doing today is we're showing up where the presence of God is. We're showing up where the Word of God is preached. This year, if you want to see change in your life, get in the presence of God and follow it for the directions in every area. Now, verse 4, he says, here's why. Because when you follow it, you're going to go a way that you've never been before. All of us are on the same playing field in 2016. None of us have walked this year out. But in order for us to succeed, all of us need to follow the presence of God. We'll know which way to go. In verse 5, Joshua said to the people, all the people, the young and the old, he said, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you get ready amazing things are coming greater things are coming come on victory let's say this together i'm gonna invite cj up here to lead us in the victory confession we say this every week you just follow cj if you forgot how it goes it's on the screen here we go lead us in the confession i'm here on purpose because i have a purpose my heart is open my mind is ready to receive because god Give someone a high five, say take ground, take ground. 
Wow, we are having some fun today. <laughs> that was good. I like that, CJ. <laughs> that was the remix. That was the message version. <laughs> I love it. Well, taking ground, if you're taking notes, which I always think taking notes is a great way to take ground. Because when you take notes, you remember better, you focus a little better, you lean in a little more. So if you're taking notes and there's a tear-off on your bulletin for you to take notes, you can write down, taking ground means to advance. It means to have victory, to conquer, to gain ground, to make progress this year. You know, I thought about how God didn't have to convince Joshua to do this. Joshua wanted to do this. All of us in this room, we want to have victory this year. We want to advance this year. We would love to see progress in that bad habit we're trying to break, in that good habit we're trying to start, in that relationship we're trying to see healing in. We would love to have victory in our finances, in our uh, family, in our marriage, in our health. But the question is, are you willing to do what it takes to take ground? God was telling Joshua, Joshua, I've got ground for you to take. I've got greater things that are coming your way and the way of all the Israelites. God had been storing up blessings for the Israelites to walk into. Church, I've got something to tell you. God has stored up blessings for you to walk into this year. Stored up blessings, greater impact, greater favor in your, in your job, greater favor for the ministry that God's put inside you, greater ideas, greater creativity. He has greater influence for you to have this year, greater impact for you to make this year. God wants you to have greater intimacy in your marriage for the couples in the room. God wants you to have greater laughter for the families in this room, less strife, more peace this year. God wants you to have uh, greater miracles for those who are believing to be healed this year or a miracle in your family, in a relationship. God has greater things for you this year. That's what God told the people of Israel. He said, tomorrow get ready because greater things are coming your way. Amazing things, things you've never seen before. It's gonna be suddenlies. There's gonna be uh, things that happen that you didn't even have to uh, work for that just happen in your life. Then there's things that you've been working for for a long time that haven't happened that this year you're gonna see a breakthrough in. But... God said, if you want to see great things tomorrow, then you need to consecrate yourself today. And here's kind of just the bottom line of the message. If I want to take ground for God, then I need to give ground to God. If I want to take ground for God this year, if I want to see God do amazing things in my marriage this year, then I need to give ground to God. Just look at that blank. If you want to take ground for God in your fill in the blank, ministry, marriage, finances, family, health, career, body, then you have to give ground to God in your finances, career, marriage, family, health, body. In other words, give God something to work with in the area that you're wanting to see progress in. Give God ground. In fact, if you're going to title the message anything, you can just title it Give Ground. I know we're talking about taking ground, but today I want to talk to you about giving ground so that you can take ground. God refers to our hearts in Matthew as soil. Jesus was talking about good soil, that a heart that's surrendered is good ground for him to work in. It's good ground for him to build a crop, a harvest on. Today, if we will not harden our hearts like the Israelites did in the wilderness for those 40 years, while they missed out on taking ground. 
But if instead we'll give ground to God, God will begin to do amazing things, things we've never experienced before. If you wanna have the greatest year you've ever had financially, then you need to have the greatest year you've ever had spiritually. Because I'm convinced our spiritual condition determines all the other areas. Our spiritual condition, the condition of our heart, the soil, are we giving God ground to work with so that he can affect all the other areas? Let's talk for a second about what consecration is. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. Now, the dictionary says consecration is to dedicate oneself to be set apart for the service and worship of something or someone. I want to stop right there. When you look at that definition... I want you to think about who or what have you consecrated yourself to in an unhealthy way? Who or what have you dedicated yourself to be set apart for the service and worship of something or someone? You know, a good uh, measurement of what we've consecrated ourselves to is what drives our emotions. What makes us happy or sad? What sets our pace? What determines our schedule? What eats up our time? Some of us have consecrated ourselves to our phone. We check it every seven minutes. It can make us happy or sad. It sets our schedule. It determines our mood for the day. Some of us have consecrated ourselves to social media. We are dedicated to being on social media all throughout the day. Some of us have consecrated ourselves to food. We couldn't imagine going a day or a meal without eating to fast and pray to give up that one thing, it would be impossible. And, and whatever owns you, now, all of these things are okay to have, but a good thing becomes a bad thing when it becomes the main thing, right? Football is okay. A good thing becomes a bad thing when you make it the main thing. And the main thing is that you've consecrated yourself to it in an unhealthy way. Whatever holds your consecration holds your concentration. Whatever you've focused in on and zoomed in on and allowed to own you is holding you back from the consecration that God rightly deserves. And not only does God rightly deserve it, but you can't consecrate yourself to any other thing or any other person that's gonna satisfy you greater than God. Football is just not going to bring the results of the consecration to God that God's gonna bring in your life. Some of us are so consecrated to sports that we couldn't imagine going a day without checking the notifications and alerts of how the Seahawks are doing or the Cowboys <laughs> or the Steelers or, or, or whatever sport it is that we love that we're so dedicated to knowing the scores and studying the athletes and watching the games. We couldn't imagine giving up one moment of that to seek God. Some of us are so dedicated to playing sports or having our kids in sports that we'll skip entire seasons of the year of not going to church. We'll say, Pastor, now I'm going to be gone for the next four months because my kids are, you know, they're playing AAU basketball. So I'll see you at Christmas time. <laughs> God, I'll see you at Christmas time. I'm going to take a break from reading the Bible because my career is just super important right now in this season. But I'm convinced that what we consecrate ourselves to, we concentrate on, and the results we get from the thing that we consecrate ourselves to cannot even compare to consecrating yourself to God. You could consecrate yourself to a career this year and say, you know what, I'm going to go to church in the beginning of January, but then I'm going to get in my career. I'm going to make me some money. I'm going to succeed this year, and then I'll come back to church. But see, that just doesn't work. 
Consecration is not a one-time event. It's not a beginning of the year event. Consecration should be a thing we do on a daily basis. That on a daily basis, I am dedicating myself to be set apart for God's purpose in my life. Here's the biblical definition of consecration. It is to uh, dedicate yourself to God so that he can purify you to be set apart for his purpose. If you want to have transformation, then you must have consecration. Consecration precedes transformation. If you want to change this year in any area of your life, it begins by dedicating yourself to God and allowing him to purify you. You can't purify yourself. I can't purify myself. There's no priest on the earth that could purify me except the high priest, God. So my part is consecration. His part is sanctification. My part is surrendering to him. His part is purifying me in that surrender, setting me apart. You know what God spoke to me this year is that there's going to be an acceleration of separation. There's going to be an acceleration in the church of people who are separating themselves to be completely all in and all out for God, consecrating their lives. And the separation is in the consecration. So here's what happens. Some people will come to church and it'll be kind of like, I'll come when I can. I'll come when it's convenient. I'll come when it's my kind of series. I'll come when I feel like it. I'll come, you know, but this is the crowd that comes even when it's cold. So you guys aren't part of this, but there are some people out there that only go to God when they're in deep doo-doo or when it's convenient. But if you're going to separate yourself to be used by God, you've got to consecrate yourself no matter what's going on, in the good and in the bad. When you're succeeding because success all goes to him, glory goes to him. And in the valley, when you're walking through failures, mistakes, that you still come to God. God takes us as we are, but he changes us into who we're called to be. So consecration is bringing myself to God, dedicating myself to God. Now, here's a question for you. What are the results of consecrating your life to God? What, what, what happens when you consecrate yourself to God? Consecration to God produces in me and in you the power to rise above anything that's thrown my way. Strength for each and every day. Provision for the mission. Faith over fear for the journey. Forgiveness flowing to me and through me. Freedom from sin and shame. Boldness to combat insecurity. Peace to calm my heart through the storms of life. And faithfulness to finish what he calls me to start. This is what consecration to God produces in you. It produces in you boldness. It produces in you freedom. Consecration produces in you faithfulness. What good is it to ask God for ground if you don't have the faithfulness to take care of the ground? What good is it for you to say, God bless me financially this year if you haven't consecrated yourself to be able to steward the blessings that he's gonna bring you this year? So consecration produces faithfulness. It produces faith. There's something about giving your life to God. And I'm not just talking about getting saved because many of us in this room would say, well, I've, I've consecrated my life to God. I did it when I was six years old. I did it uh, in church. I went down to the altar call 20 years ago. I, I got saved. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about surrendering today again, afresh and anew every area of your life. I knew this couple who had renewed their vows 10 times and they had only been married five years. And some of us in the room were like, what happened in that marriage? You know, <laughs> 10 different times because we're so, and I'm the same way. We're so tempted to think the only time we should renew our vows is when we've either, you know, reached a milestone in our marriage, like 
10 years, 20 years, 30 years, or um, when we've walked through such a terrible storm that we need to renew our vows. But I was talking to this couple, and they said, the only time that we renewed the vows because of something bad was only once. The other times we renewed the vows to remind ourselves of the vision of why I'm married to her and why I'm married to him. We wanted to say those vows again that I will be faithful to you. I will not curse you with my lips. I will bless you. I am submitted. I am a, a servant to you. They had these vows that they said and they wanted to keep the vision of why they were married in front of themselves. And I thought what a great idea even in our walk with God that we should consecrate ourselves every year, every week just saying, Lord, I'm surrendering to you. I'm dedicating to you. If I want to take ground in my finances this year, I'm consecrating ground in my finances to you this year. I'm giving you ground in my marriage this year. I'm going to give you ground to work with in my life this year. What are the results of a consecrated life to God? It produces trust in the Lord. I don't have to know what my future holds when I know who holds my future. I don't have to know what 2016 holds when I know who holds 2016. Consecration puts God at, at, at the center. It allows God to hold my year and hold my life and hold my marriage. I don't have to know what's in the future because I know who holds my future. And this is what consecration does. It produces a trust in us that God's going to take care of it. I want to just ask you two more questions that I'm going to answer. One, why, why would you consecrate your life to God and not something else or someone else? First of all, God is worthy of our consecration. Why? Because he's worthy. He's totally worthy. He's trustworthy. He's holy. He's pure. He's not going to fail you. Why not consecrate your life to God? I think sometimes we don't consecrate our lives to God afresh and anew because we say, I've been there, I've done that. We get stale, we get complacent, we kind of get settled. I, I, I'm happy with the way I am, with the marriage I have, with the husband I am today, with the wife I've become. There's really no room for me to grow anymore. If you're not growing, you're dying. If you're not changing, you're not growing. I, I, I never want to get to a place where I say, I've arrived. There's no more for me to grow in. There's no more ground for me to take. As long as there's breath in my lungs, there is ground for me to take. There is room for me to grow. There's areas for God to work in me and change me and renew me. I was talking to this one person. We were, it was a confrontation. There was just an attitude going on. I said, hey, I want to help you. This, this needs to change in you. And he said, quit trying to make me like you. I'm not like you, I am me. This is who I am, this is the way I am. And I said, I'm not trying to make you like me. I'm trying to help make you like Jesus because you signed up to be like Jesus. So I didn't sign you up, you signed up. And when you signed up, you said, my heart is moldable and teachable to be worked on. And I think we have to decide, am I still moldable to be worked on? Have I reached a level of just, this is as good as it gets. I'm not going to get any better. This addiction is me. Like, I am stuck with this negative, pessimistic outlook on life. I am stuck with this anger problem. You can send me to anger management classes all you want. I'm stuck with this alcohol. I'm going to have it the rest of my life. I'm stuck with this uh, drug addiction. I'm stuck with this uh, problem of lust. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because when you're a Christian, you are always in the hands of God and he's molding you and he's growing you and he's pruning you. 
See, a lot of us, we want the benefits of God, but we're not willing to receive the correction of God. We want, we want his uh, 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 strength, but we don't have, we won't surrender. We want his power, but we won't get low in prayer. We want his boldness, but we won't consecrate our lives to God in a real way. If you want God to get real with you, you got to get real with God. Why should we do it? God told Joshua, consecrate so you won't deviate. He said, consecrate because your life is constantly tempted to look to the left and to the right, to move to the right, to the left. He said, so meditate on the word of God. Consecrate your life in the, in the power of God. Come to God and surrender. Dedicate this year to God because on the other side of that Jordan, you don't realize what you're going to face at Jericho. You might be able to make it on your own across the Jordan River. You could swim. You could try to get there. But when you get to Jericho, those walls are too big for you to do on your own. And then after Jericho, you got Ai and Gilgal and the northern territories and the five southern kings and Jerusalem and Bethel. And you just can't make it unless you consecrate. The key to your transformation is in your consecration, your surrender to God. Some of us, we want God to give everything to us, but we struggle to give anything to God. Bless me, God. We want, we want God's hand, but we won't seek God's face. This is a year to get on your knees from the start and say, Lord, I surrender to you my marriage. I surrender to you my finances. I'm going to give ground this year financially to you so that I can see debt freedom, so that I can pay off all the, the debt that I need to pay. Give God something to work with this year. Last question is this. How do we consecrate ourselves to God? How do we consecrate ourselves to God? It sounds so general. Consecrate yourself. How do I do it? How am I supposed to surrender to God besides praying a prayer? I think there's four steps in how you consecrate yourself to God. One is through repentance. Repent. Surrendering to God with the change of heart. Repentance is not just about praying a prayer. It's saying, Lord, change me. I'm going to change directions. Repentance is coming to God broken and humble, saying, Lord, I'm sorry where I've missed it. I'm sorry, God, in the areas of self-hatred, the areas of depression, the areas that I've been carrying that I have not given to you. I repent, Lord, for the way I've reacted to people at times, my anger. Lord, I repent for the thoughts that I've had, the actions that I've made. Lord, I repent. There's something about repentance that just produces power. It's one of the least talked about words in the church today, but it's one of the most powerful promises that when we repent, his kindness leads us to repentance. The same book that's so huge on grace, Hebrews, is also huge on repentance. Right? And he says, cast off anything that's holding you down. Throw off the weights. Come to God. Bring it to him. Draw near. Come boldly to the throne to find mercy. What is that? That's coming in repentance to say, Lord, I know you have a storehouse of mercy, so I'd like to receive some of that. I need that this year. His mercies are new every morning, but he draws us to repentance. The second word is renew. Renew. How do we consecrate ourselves to God? We renew. Renewal is coming to God and saying, Lord, change my thoughts. Romans 12, verse 1 through 2, talks about not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
If you want transformation, it starts with consecration. And consecration is focusing in on God, putting aside all the distractions, saying, Lord, renew me. Wash me with the word of God. Wash me, Lord Jesus. Wash my mind, my conscience, my beliefs, my heart, the areas inside me. See, renewal is about purifying. It's about purifying. All of us in this room, we need to be washed on a regular basis. Right? You take a shower every day, I hope. Maybe every other day at least. This last week, I was washing both my baby boys, Liam and Benaiah. And he's, Liam's two and Benaiah's six months old. And I was giving them a bath. Liam's at this stage right now where he just wants to run around, splash. He does not want the soap to get on him. He's, you know, he, he loves the water. Benaiah's sitting in this little blue seat that sits right above the water but allows enough water to get in there for him to fill the bath. So both of them are in there and... I start taking the soap out to wash Liam's body and get under his armpits, under the hidden areas that he doesn't want me to get to. And he's pulling out, you know, he's got these long claws. We're having to clip his nails every week because he's drinking so much milk and his nails keep growing. And so, you know, he's clawing at me and then he got aggressive because I started to wash him with the soap and I noticed there was a diaper rash that I couldn't see until it was in that moment when we were in the bathtub and I needed to put some soap on there. And he just got aggressive. No! You know, and he's trying to bite me. And I gave him a little pow-pow, a little spanking. And, um, hey, the Lord corrects those who he loves. Some of us want direction without correction. But God was speaking to me as I was doing this because I was thinking after that, I put on some ointment right there. And within three days, the rash was totally gone. But I was thinking about, I never would have... He never would have seen that rash go away unless he allowed daddy, because daddy knows best, to come in and wash that area with soap and cleanse that area and then put on the right ointment for that rash to heal. And in the same way spiritually, if we want to see a renewal in our life, we have to bring the hidden areas to God. The areas we won't tell anybody else about. Only, by the way, there's nothing you can keep secret or hidden from God. He sees it all anyways. Your husband may not know about it. Your wife may not, may not know about it. Your dad or your accountability partner may not know about it. But God does. So why not go ahead and admit to God the area that he already knows about and say, Lord, this bitterness, this self-hatred, this porn addiction, this area, this secret sin, God, I'm bringing it to you. And I, I want you to totally heal me in this area this year. Because if I want to take ground in my thought life this year, then I need to give ground in my thought life to God this year. If I want to take ground in my marriage this year for God, then I need to give ground in my marriage to God this year. All across this room, God's showing you areas that need to be renewed. Your thoughts, your heart, your motives, your attitude. The third word is this, release. Release this year. How do we consecrate our lives to God? We repent, we renew, we release. Giving God control of every area. Some of us love holding on to the remote control of our life. We love holding on to the control of an area. But God says, if you want to take ground this year, release ground so that you can take ground. Release anything. God kept telling Joshua, Joshua, be strong, be courageous. I think because Joshua might have been holding tightly to the experiences of the past, thinking about how amazing Moses was and how Moses faced Pharaoh and Moses faced the Red Sea. Who am I, God? I'm facing the Jordan River. It doesn't even compare to the Red Sea. I'm facing Jericho. It doesn't even compare to Pharaoh and Egypt. 
But maybe it was in releasing that insecurity and releasing that sense of intimidation and that sense of, I don't know how I'm going to get through it, that God was allowing Joshua to get that boldness and get that courage, releasing the fears, releasing the control of, God, I, I, I'm thinking there's a strategy here, but God says, your strategy's not going to work. I'm going to have you blow trumpets and walk around Jericho. You think you're just going to go in there with a sword, but I'm giving you a trumpet instead of a sword, right? It's releasing the way that we want to do things so that God can show us how he wants to do things. And the last word is this, receive, receive, receive. This year, a consecrated moment with God is to receive his impartation, receive his word, receive his correction, receive his direction, receive his anointing for you to prosper this year, receive his anointing for you to be free this year, receive his anointing for you to forgive this year, receive his forgiveness, receive his mercy, receive his grace this year. So here's what we're going to do, church. How many of y'all receive this word today? Receive the word of consecration. 